We'd like to welcome you back to our current event and weekly Bible study for June 19th, 2011. This is part three of our study for today regarding the uh, hidden Luciferians in American culture. Uh, I guess, in a way, this is part five of that study. I probably need to go up there and retool the the heading. But, anyway, uh, going further, for some reason, many conservative Christians seem unaware of the fact that the devil can distort the history books of the world and can distort news reporting. The fact is, the devil exerts sweeping control over his world system. According to 1 John 5.19, we know that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. God has temporarily allowed him this control. In Matthew 4, Satan is described as the controller of all earthly kingdoms, in other words, his worldly system. He is the designer and operator of the world system. But just remember, the Lord Jesus Christ is the one really in control. Okay? Satan is allowed a time to operate on this earth. Okay? But the Lord Jesus Christ is still the one on the throne, seated at the right hand of God Almighty, ever ever making intercession for the saints. So... We don't ever want to lose sight of that. But somehow Christians in America have gotten the idea that the U.S. of A. is an exception. That the devil controls and owns all the kingdoms of the world except America. And it's American exceptionalism mindset. Very, very close to almost a cultic orientation. As though America is some kind of magic land. Uh, And again, that's how the modern day pseudo-church in America kind of acts. So... What so many of us vastly underestimating is the devil's ability to create illusions, to create falsehoods, his ability to lie, quite simply. When you're in the devil's backyard, which is what his entire world system is, he can indeed create a lot of illusions and deceptions, whether in America or elsewhere. There is yet a third ingredient that must be added, and which is prescribed by Jesus himself. Let me clarify. Jesus has stated clearly and repeatedly, yes, Take heed of his word. Yes, remain prayerful, but also we're instructed to keep a close and watchful watch on the world events and conditions. We are to become world watchers. In the Olivet Discourse, Jesus punctuates his descriptions of the world in the end times with the instructions to watch, pray, and be not deceived. See, in order to watch, you kind of got, you have to be not ignorant of Satan's devices, right? Okay, we're not supposed to be deceived. Well, if you don't know about any of Satan's devices, How do you know you're not being deceived? Um, Let's go further here. You you simply cannot bury your head in the sand regarding ongoing world events without taking the risk of coming under the influence of these satanic deceptive schemes which are in the works. Jesus instructs us to engage in the intensive world watching with good reason. Now obviously you don't want that to be a god or you don't want it to be your primary focus, but to have an idea of what is going on Allow me to use what may be a somewhat unexpected illustration. In recent years, it has become a routine concession from the mainstream of the media and academia that the so-called Gulf of Tonkin incident was a lie and a fabrication. The Gulf of Tonkin incident was used to justify America's entry into the bloody Vietnam War, in which 58,000 American boys and a million Vietnamese citizens were uh, died. But after years of cover-up and due to almost an entire, almost entirely to the pressure brought on by the alternative media, it is now routinely acknowledged across the board that the Gulf of Tonkin scenario was a false flag operation, a huge lie, in order to get us into the Vietnam War. Oh, whoops, sorry, the government says, essentially. 
yeah, we lied to you. We just set up this Gulf of Tonkin incident just to get us into the Vietnam War so we can continue and perpetuate the corporate global war machine where we supply both sides with bullets and guns and, and armories and things of this nature, and we make millions, and then also we view all the people dying in the wars as satanic sacrifices to Lucifer, which is how these occultists believe. The ones that own, like the DuPonts that make the gunpowder, and, and a lot of that stuff, and the munitions, and, and all of these wicked companies that make the airplanes, and all the... I mean, the, the, these people are owned by... Luciferians, people that are in the Illuminati, essentially. Mega, mega millionaire, billionaire type of people. They view the people that are dying in these wars as sacrifices to Satan. So they're winning. To them, they're getting rich. They're getting more powerful. And they're they're giving sacrifices to Lucifer. So, you know, to them it's like a win-win-win situation. That's how they view it. Not how you view it, but that's how they view it. This is a good example of why watching and not being deceived are important. We still may not be able to be able to nor have time to go around unraveling all the specific falsehoods in a world system, but what is important is that we recognize the deceptions that Jesus warned about in the Olivet Discourse. So again, what I hope you are going to realize if you read this report is that the true story of the world or the world system is the one of the devil having used superhuman ingenuity to perpetuate a huge series of Gulf of Tonkin type fabrications and falsehoods. He's, I mean, it's not like that's the only thing that Satan's ever done to deceive people was the Gulf of Tonkin. This stuff's going on every day. Every day in the modern day media. The cover up right now that's going on with what's going on in the Missouri River with that river overflowing and essentially um, basically infiltrating into that nuclear plant there. We could have another Fukushima right here. Not only that, but what if what if the New Madrid fault line goes, which is in that same area, which is what we reported on heavily? Oh my word! I mean, we could have like an absolute—I uh, <laughs> can't even imagine the amount of nuclear um, fallout that there could be if if several nuclear plants went down as a result of something like that. I mean, you think Japan's bad. I mean, Japan's going to, from what I'm seeing, Japan is basically going to be inhabitable. People are going to just be dropping dead like crazy over there from the radiation. And we have way more nuclear power plants than they have. It's just one scenario. Um, Let's go further here. Uh, Let's see. Okay, so... If you're questioning whether Lucifer's world system is capable of rewriting history books, how then has the devil so efficiently tried to obscure the historical facts of Jesus' resurrection from the tomb, or all the other historical realities related to God's Son coming to the earth in human form? How has he caused millions to believe in atheism, evolution, pseudo-morality of abortion, Marxism, the Koran, and many other things. If Russian schoolchildren could be made to believe the huge propaganda lies about the wonders of communism and the heroism of Stalin and Lenin, why couldn't the same thing happen in America? In fact, it has happened. Atheistic evolutionism theorism, as one example, is successfully foisted on millions in this country. Ironically, and in, in an 
And in an interestingly subconscious fashion, most Americans on one hand seemingly swallow whole the sanctioned evening news from top to bottom of the TV networks. On the other hand, statistics show that most Americans simultaneously believe that there is a fact, a hidden history regarding America. That the country and our government are covertly run by proverbial smoke-filled rooms by the sort of good old boys network. Well, if you want to get a little bit of confirmation of that, I give you several links here, and it will probably be on about page 23 of this PDF. The first one is The Hidden Faith of Our Founding Fathers by Chris Pinto. You can watch the full video and DVD online. And then the other one is... Um, the Church Secret Society's Hidden Faith of Our Founding Fathers. That's a brief excerpt from one of my previous studies. And then Riddles in Stone, which was the video I mentioned earlier about the, cult, the occult architecture of Washington, D.C. Whole link to that. And then The Eye of the Phoenix, which has a lot to do with the dollar bill that we were talking about. The whole occult history of that from a Christian perspective. And then The Secret Mysteries of America's Beginnings which is an also an excellent video, which talk about, okay, the Bible says, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Well, we're going to look at the actual foundational underpinnings of America. Okay, which we're told, oh, it was just all Christian. Well, you know, there's another side to that, actually. There's another side. I'm not saying there wasn't a Christian element, but I'm saying Satan was right in the mix as well. So, that gives you full documentation there. So, I'll give you all the links to these documentaries... And they're on the PDF, about on page 23. In fact, there seems to be a significant percentage of people who take a dim view of quite an array of official stories coming from the world system. Many question the official JFK assassination reports. Many question the official history of the Pearl Harbor attack. Uh, I've seen the Pearl Harbor thing alone. I've seen some unbelievable information on that one. JFK as well. Many Americans question the government's and media's cover story regarding the so-called Gulf War Syndrome. And then I give you a link to that video, Beyond Treason. What I said about earlier, I give you a link. You can watch it. It's not me talking. It's people that were in the military telling you what we're doing over there. And how our troops and the people there are being treated and poisoned. And what's happening to our troops when they come back. It's horrific. In fact, there seems to be... Okay, no, I'm... That was... I already said that. The devil can rewrite history and has has a rewritten history. In fact, that is the main satanic objective, creating a false cover story regarding the world and the universe. The Bible is God's story. The devil's world system is churning out a set of counterclaims. The simple and biblical fact is that the devil has an enormous and astonishing ability to deceive the big mistake Christians make is believing they have a general immunity from this deception. This is what got me into doing what I'm doing now. I started seeing all this flagrantly obvious stuff that was going on, that was hardly being ever talked about in the churches, which, you know, I was part of the mainstream church for a long time, for many, many years. And it wasn't preached, and it wasn't, it wasn't frowned, it was frowned upon if you did get into this type of information. It made people uncomfortable. It might drive people away. It might get you labeled. It might cause the church to lose parishioners. Well, the truth has a way of doing that. The truth has a way of, like 
the you know the sword of the spirit, you know, has in truth in general has a way of dividing people. That's just the way it is. It's better to be um, divided in truth than united in error. And most of the churches around today are united in error. And they don't even know it. They're, they're clueless. So, number one, the Bible says we are very much susceptible if we don't take certain precautions. And many of his deceptions are just flat out lies and misdirection regarding world events, such as the aforementioned Gulf of Tonkin false flag fraud. It is not an exaggeration to say the world we live in, this world system we live in, is simply a huge patchwork quilt of lies. Lie after lie after lie. Fortunately, in the information age, we now, uh, we now have some very sizable examples which can be readily referenced. In preparation for what lies ahead in this report, I have been delving a bit into the subject of geopolitics. We will shortly dive in headfirst into the subject and try to understand more fully this whole hidden Luciferian phenomenon, how all this ties to Jesus' predictions regarding the devil's geopolitical strategies in the end times. Following my analysis of Denison and K. Arthur, I will attempt to go back through history and show evidence of centuries-old pattern of occult, covert occultism right here in America and elsewhere, and try to demonstrate how all this relates directly to the end-time scenarios in Bible prophecy. For the moment, though, allow me to put the focus back on the astonishingly deadly serious advisory from Jesus Christ. He states unequivocally that many who have been his followers throughout life will, in the last days, turn away from the faith and betray and hate each other, according to Matthew 24.10. And that, and that, again, that's regarding this end times, and that furthermore, only he who endures to the end will be saved. That's what he said. Okay, so, you know, that's what the Bible says. They that endure to the end, the same shall be saved. So, you know, what, are you going to get to a point where you deny Jesus Christ? He says if you deny him, he'll deny you before the Father. Now, I'm not talking about a work salvation. I'm talking about enduring to the end through the Holy Spirit that lives inside a born-again Christian. That's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about you mustering up whatever you have to muster up with inside you. You can't do it. You can't do it apart from Jesus Christ. The Bible, Jesus said in John 15, without me, ye can do nothing. So, don't think I'm saying that, okay? But that's the whole process of overcoming, and I did a whole teaching on that, uh, just key in the words overcoming in the search bar on continuefortruth.com. Uh, going further, one of my main goals for this for this online book, I guess that's what he considers this, what we're reading, has been to try to do something to resist this huge deception plan, to give fellow Jesus Christ followers a heads up. Another thing to keep in mind before we look at more research material is no matter how dark the storm clouds are on the horizon, we have no need to worry or have anxiety, no need to fear or fret that this promise and the offer of scriptures, uh, John 16, 33, in this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. The Bible also says, what time I am afraid I will trust in thee, Psalm 56, 3. So, and there's a lot of other verses you could quote as well. He goes on to say, I will admit the darker this world becomes, the more amazing are these admonitions in the Bible to fear nothing, to be anxious for nothing, to let not your heart be troubled. But the literal truth of the matter is that no matter what trials or tribulation might befall us, the promise of scripture is that God will provide a way that we may be able to stand and to overcome. That's why the Bible says, take up the full armor of God, that ye may be able to stand, essentially in the day of evil. 
And that's why, actually, you should be putting on the full armor of God. So, and that's in Ephesians 6. So that is something very important for us Christians to do, because it is getting darker. But the thing about this is, if you think about it, all this information we get into almost on a weekly basis, all it really does is confirm what the scriptures predicted. Yeah, the scriptures didn't talk about Michael W. Smith, you know, specifically, but they talked about his ilk, clearly. We've just given you a ton of verses that talked about that. Or about all the false preachers and prophets and things like that that are out there. Talks a lot about them. Beware of false prophets. If it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect, these false prophets. Matthew 24, 24. The Bible clearly predicted it. So, to me, this makes the Bible come alive. It further validates the Bible. It's not anything that that, um, hurts my faith. It builds it up. Because I'm seeing the Bible come to life through the world we're living in, essentially. I mean, I mean, as far as a real practical, wow, I can see this going on, and the Bible predicted it. So, that's how I think we need to look at this. Uh, and then he goes on to say, it reminds me of a song we sang hundreds of times throughout my youth group, and it says, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to depend on his word. Amen. Now, we're going to, we're not going to go into the K. Arthur Denison thing. We're going to segue into some other material from another website that I've known about for a long time uh, that has gotten into this. I believe it's Dial the Truth Ministries. And um, I'll give you the links to all their articles. And so we're going to be looking at some excerpts from their information they've done on some Christian rock bands. The first one we're going to be talking about is Third Day. And one of the most shameful incidents, this is the guy writing the article, one of the most shameful incidents I have ever witnessed at a Christian rock concert was at Third Day's concert in Birmingham, Alabama. During the concert, singer Mac Powell said, quote, Now we're going to do one for Mom and Dad, end of quote. And what song did these Christians sing for Mom and Dad? Was it Amazing Grace? Victory in Jesus? No. They sang the outlaw rockers Leonard Skinner's Sweet Home Alabama. This is at a this is at a Christian rock concert, okay? Um, a telltale statement comes from David Carr of Third Day in CCM Magazine, which is a Christian magazine, I guess, a Christian music, Christian rock music. Uh, they said in CCM Magazine, September of 1999, they said worship has to come from the heart and be sincere. So we've been really wary about jumping on the worship music bandwagon. End of quote. They go on to pose the question, is Carr saying that third day is not sincere? I mean, isn't isn't that why these Christian rock groups exist to worship God, right? Huh? And why and why not um, and why is worship not in third day's heart? Because they're basically admitting that. Carr's irreverent wording of jumping on the mu- worship music bandwagon is not to be taken lightly. Um, the Bible says in Psalm 29, verse 2, Give unto the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in his beauty. In, in his beauty. Uh, then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Okay, so we're only supposed to worship the Lord thy God. Um, that's in Matthew 4.10. The cover of Third Day's album is called Time displays a well-known occult symbol. 
Now, we just talked about this. Called the Lazy Eight or the Infinity Symbol. Remember we just talked about this? It was on Michael W. Smith's album, Christmas, Xmas album cover. Um, it displays, it, it, it's the central theme. I'm looking at the album cover right now, okay? And it has, I guess, a picture of the, of the band. And in the middle, over the guy's chest, it says time. And then, oh, under that is the infinity symbol. Okay? Uh, Dr. Kathy Burns documents the satanic connection to this symbol. Another satanic symbol is the lazy eight, or the infinity sign. To occultists, it represents Lucifer's eternal victory. It also symbolizes the reincarnation and karma, meaning like the karmic wheel of life, I believe. It also is used in the brimstone symbol and appears at the top of the nine satanic statements. And that was from page 254 of her book, Masonic and Occult Symbols. So again, why would Third Day, another good Christian rock group, have this occult symbol right right in the center of their album cover? Now here's... in this article, it gives you examples of the occult use of the infinity symbol. The one thing they're going to show you, we already saw this, was it had that, that, Lucerne, that Lucerne cross, which Nabisco and Exxon have in their logos, and the affinity symbols on the bottom. Um, it's the actual ancient alchemy symbol for brimstone, the place of hell. It's part of that symbol. It's, it's an affinity symbol joined with this cross of Lucerne. It's also in the nine satanic statements from the satanic Bible, page 25. It's at the bottom of that. Uh, also, again, we gave you the picture of the Satanic Terror card where the Infinity Symbol. Um, it's the um, Infinity Symbol on the head of the Magician signifying Satan's power resting on the Magician. And then, the rock group, Journey. Now, I'll be honest. Journey was like my favorite group going up, growing up. In like the, you know, late 70s, early 80s, you know, that was my favorite group. I'm not bragging, I'm just saying they were. Okay, anyway. The rock group journey with the symbol circling the earth. And again, we give you a picture of this. And it's basically a winged earth with an infinity symbol wrapped around the whole wing and earth thing. According to Dr. Burns, the infinity symbol sometimes encircles a globe, in which case it means that Satan has put the earth under his control. Um, Here's another symbol of an all-seeing eye within the infinity symbol underneath it, an occultist is wearing, an occultist Satanist is wearing the third day time symbol. The eye of Lucifer is above the time symbol, and underneath the time symbol is the three small numbers, 666. So, I mean, here you got a, a Satanist wearing this jacket with the all-knowing, this big eyeball on the back, and an uh, infinity symbol underneath it with 666. So it's not really an endorsement for the all-knowing eye of Lucifer, or for um, the infinity symbol. Okay, Call me crazy, but I just don't think it is. So, Third Day's Time album was the 2000 Dove Awards Rock Album of the Year. Hmm, Time. Okay, and that was the one with the infinity symbol. Third Day's album, Come Together, also advertises another occult symbol. Now, again, we give you a picture of the symbol, and we're looking right at the album cover right now. The symbol is a variation of a very common occult symbol known as a winged disc, or a winged globe. Like the infinity symbol found on Third Day's Time album, the winged disc is also on the rock group Journey's albums. Uh, 
author, I mean, Journey's albums were all these occult symbols. I mean, all of this, it, it had this very occultic Egyptian occultic theme. Kind of like Earth, Wind, and Fire, but a different variation of Journey that Journey used. Like the Infinity symbol found on Third Day's Time album, the Wing Disc is also on the rock group Journey's albums. Author Eric Barger writes about Journey's Wing Disc. The Evolution album by Journey and at least two others by the group depict the Wing Globe, which signifies a demon deity and the omnipresence of the sun god Ra. So... That's not exactly a glowing endorsement for this wing disc that Third Day has on their Come Together album as a central theme. Tex Mars reports in his book, New Age and Cults and Religions, quote, The wing disc was used throughout the centuries to represent the supreme god of the other pagan cults and societies. It was the symbol for Baal, uh, or the devil god, during Jezebel's reign. Uh, let's see here. According to H.G. Wells, the winged globe is, quote, to become the symbol of the New World Order when the Antichrist overtly rules the world. And that was according to Fritz Springmeier in his book, The Watchtower and the Masons. That's a really super rare book. He's, I don't, I've never even seen that one. So according to H.G. Wells, this winged globe that Third Day has on their album cover is to become the symbol of the New World Order when the Antichrist overtly rules over the world. Unbelievable. The wing globe is many times, such as with the group Journey, associated with the dung beetle. You know, you've heard me mention the dung beetle in many of my other studies and in a kind of an off-the-cuff humor way. Well, this is actually in a serious way. The wing globe, so, is, uh, such as, uh, is many times, such as with the group Journey, associated with the dung beetle or the scarabus, which is actually the technical name of the dung beetle. The scarabus is worshipped as a pagan god in many cultures. Can you imagine worshipping a dung beetle? The third day symbol plainly bears a striking likeness to the scarabus symbol. Now, we're looking at the an album cover from Journey. It's called the Essential Journey album. And it has a scarabus with wings on it. A dung beetle with wings. And so... Noted occultist Helena Blavatsky directly equates the winged globe with the scarabus beetle. So they're all linked together. The winged globe is but another form of the egg and has the same significance as the scarabus. According to uh, Madame Blavatsky's Secret Doctrine, Volume 1, page 365. Anton LaVey, the founder of the Church of Satan and the author of the Satanic Bible, writes in the Satanic Bible that the scarabus represents the devil or Baal. The Phoenicians worshipped a fly god, Baal, from which, um, Lord of the Flies, you know, um, from which, or Beelzebub, from which comes the devil, Beelzebub. Both Baal and Beelzebub are identical to the dung beetle or scarabus of the Egyptians. And that's according to Anton Sanzador LeVay, the guy that wrote the Satanic Bible that I talked about earlier. That's on page 60 of the Satanic Bible itself. So, again, we're really, you stuff, uh, occult, Egyptian occult symbology, you would really, really want to try to stay away from. You wouldn't want to get near the stuff with a 10-foot pole. But they got it right on their album covers. Um, inside Third Day's winged globe, 
of this album cover as well. Now, this is a whole other issue. Inside the wing globe is also a very other interesting symbol. So there's another symbol inside the wing globe that we're going to talk about now. According to the Dictionary of Symbols, it is the ING rune. Oh, now we're going to get back into runes again. Like we did last week with Michael W. Smith, when he had the two, the, the two runes of uh, Tyre the Sky God and Humanity. And Tyre the Sky God, or the Prince of Power of the Air, was ruling over humanity? Yeah. But this is a different rune. Isn't it kind of funny how we have different Christian rock bands obsessed with different runes? Which are some of the highest uh, lettering systems within the occult. Hitler and the Third Reich was obsessed with these things. And many high-level occultists today are obsessed with them. And I'm seeing a lot of these runes pop up. Yeah. Well, inside Third Day's Wing Globe on this album cover is the ING rune, which is an ideogram for the moon god. And that's from Carl G. Lungman's Dictionary of Symbols. Now, also, just so you know, this ING rune, the way they have it depicted here, and I'm assuming there's different ways, remember, there's different ways that these things can be depicted. I think there's three different ways you can depict runes. This is one of them. Okay, for the ING symbol, it is identical to the Under Armour logo. The Under Armour sports line, sportswear, identical. The Lord sort of convicted me about that for a while, and I tried to find information about, I was researching the Under Armour logo, and it took me, and I finally found it on this study, almost by accident, I stumbled on it. Because I couldn't find anything on the internet about it. Yeah, it's basically a stylized ING rune, or it's a different way of putting it. Now, the third day album chronology takes this to a whole different level. It's not just a little wing wing globe with a little ing rune in the middle. Now the whole album cover, the whole backdrop of the al- album cover, is this circle with an ing rune in it. Kind of like how Michael W. Smith depicts his names with the same two runes on different album covers. It's kind of the same thing where you'll see this occult pattern, where they're clearly indicating this wasn't a mistake. We're going to keep doing the same occult pattern over on different album covers to let the occultists know out there that who we are and what we're all about. And to also throw it in the face of the Christians buying these albums, you know, just just to, you know, probably is like a little, I, I think they would take great delight in it. In their, in, in their ability to conceive these things. And we talked about that earlier. So now I'm looking at this third day chronology album cover with the ING rune in the circle as the total backdrop. Here's the cover. Notice the ING rune symbol that is the basis for the entire cover design. Located in the center, it takes up the whole front cover. The music has been marked by an occultic symbol and therefore the music has been marked by the devil. The occult and pagan connection with the moon is widespread. Harper's Encyclopedia of Mystical Paranormal Experience reads that, quote, the moon is associated with witchcraft, magic, and sorcery, and is considered to be the source of the witch's power. The moon itself is believed to cast a spell. And that's from Harper's Encyclopedia of Mystical and Paranormal Experience, page 376. Now remember, if you if you remember just a uh, minute ago, a few minutes ago, I said that the ING rune, according to the Dictionary of Symbols, page 458, is an ideogram for the moon god. That's why we're talking about the moon now. And that's what's on Third Day's Couple, this, this ING rune. Uh, 
There's another connection I found very interesting. According to occultists, it is the moon that gives the divine scarab beetle life. The scarab or the dung beetle deposits her eggs in a dung ball. I never thought I'd have a chance to actually talk in a serious way about a dung beetle. But I've been proven wrong once again, as of today. Get this. The scarab or the dung beetle deposits her eggs in a dung ball where it remains for 28 days under the moon. During these 28 days, the moon passes through all 12 signs of the zodiac and the mystical moon magic gives the revered, reverend, revered scarabus or dung beetle life and deity. Uh, whatever. And thus, remaining under the moon, the race of the scarabi or the dung beetle is endued with life. End of quote. That was from the Women's Dictionary of Symbols and Sacred Objects, page 418. Barbara G. Walker. So, you see now the connection between the ING rune, the moon, the dung beetle, the scarab, the winged globe, all of this connection. Is it just by chance? I don't think so. Without question, the mysterious symbol on Thursday's um, Come Together album has a bizarre history of occult and satanic influence. Here's another example of the winged globe off their own website, Third Day. Masons use the letter G as a symbol for various esoteric meanings also. Now, on this website, uh, Screen Catch, it has Gomertopia, uh, and it says, We're the greatest Third Day fan come together, where the, where the greatest third day fans come together. Gomertopia. And they have this winged globe thing, but the globe now is a G. It's in the shape of a circle, like a globe, and it's wing, but it's got, it's, it's basically a G. Okay, in the middle of this. <clears throat> I just find it kind of ironic that they would use the word Gomer. Gomertopia or whatever, which is this third day fan club, when Gomer was the unfaithful wife of Hosea. Which, you know, is, is uh, if you read Hosea, um, you know, if regarding Gomer, it's not exactly a glowing endorsement of the word, of, of the name. But anyway, Gomertopia, uh, and it's, again, it's this winged G, which is, looks like a globe. Well, okay. It reminded me a lot of the G that you see in Freemasonry. Like, if you'll see people with the uh, square and compass, and there'll be a G in the middle. It's a very common way of Freemasonry. And remember, it's all esoteric and exoteric meanings of these symbols. Okay? And, and they're, they're, these are occultists doing this. So, the letter G in Freemasonry, the Blue Lodge, it is taught that the G in the Masonic symbol represents God. Later on, he is then told it represents deity. Remember, as you go up in the occult rankings, you're actually revealing the higher meaning of something. So, to the broad masses, they say, oh, it's God. But later on, he's told that the actual word is representative of the word deity. And still later, he is told that it represents geometry. Now, geometry, I think a lot of in occult terms where you get into what they call sacred geometry, which is one of the big things that you see with a lot of big-time New Agers. They're totally obsessed with this sacred geometry, which has, you know, a lot to do with high-level occultic workings, essentially. Um... So, then, in reality, this letter represents the generative principle, the sun god, and thus the worshipped phallus, and the male generative principle. It, 
in its position along with the square encompassed on the east wall over the chair throne of the worshipful master, it is the representation of the sun, thus the sun god Osiris. Its earthly meaning, then, is that of a sacred phallus. Its cosmic meaning is that of the sun, worshipped since antiquities by the pagans while facing the east. Wow, I said a mouthful there. So that's what the G actually stands for. Because the um, whole basis behind Freemasonry, the whole symbology of, of a lot of what they do is based on this whole phallic worship, essentially. And its earthly meaning, then, is often of the sacred phallus. Its cosmic meaning is of the sun, worshipped since antiquity by pagans while facing the east. Hmm, that reminded me of a Bible verse, or some Bible verses that I thought of. Ezekiel 8, 15 through 18 says, and this is God showing Ezekiel abominations going on in the house of God, in the temple. He says, then he said unto me, and this is after God's already shown him, uh, a lot of abominations. This is the worst one. Then he, meaning God, said unto me, Hast thou seen this, O son of man? Turn thee yet again, and thou shalt see greater abominations than these. And he brought me into the inner court of the Lord's house, and behold, at the door of the temple of the Lord, between the porch and the altar, were about five and twenty men, twenty-five men, with their backs toward the temple of the Lord. So their backs were toward the temple, the backs were, in other words, their backs were turned from God, from where they should be worshipping, and their faces were toward the east, and they worshipped the sun toward the east. Whoa, wouldn't, didn't we just read that this G symbol, which is really uh, representative of the generative principle, um... In its earthly meaning is of the sacred phallus. Its cosmic meaning is that of the sun, worshipped since antiquity by pagans while facing the east. Yeah. Yeah. Their backs were toward the temple of God, and their faces were toward the east, and they worshipped the sun toward the east. Well, how could they worship the sun toward the east? What, you think it was high noon? No. It was when the sun came up. Had to be, because the sun rises in the east and sets in the west, right? So it could have been when it was at high noon, had to be in the morning when the sun comes. Isn't this kind of like an Ishtar sunrise service they have at Ishtar? One of the biggest pagan holidays or holidays of the year? Yeah, it is. Ishtar, Ishtar and Ishtar have nothing to do with the birth, birth of Jesus Christ. Bunnies and colored eggs and fertility goddesses doesn't have anything to do with Jesus Christ. And I did a whole study on that. You can reference on contendingfortruth.com at the right-hand side of the search bar. So, in God's eyes, this is a really, really big deal. Then God goes on to say, Then he said unto me, Hast thou seen this, O son of man? Is it a light thing to the house of Judah that they commit the abominations which they commit here? In other words, worshiping the sun toward the east. They were worshipping the sun, not the son of God. They were worshipping the sun God. In the temple of God, with their backs turned from God, essentially. Man. And then it goes on to say, Therefore will I also deal in fury, mine eyes shall not spare, neither will I have pity. And though they cry in mine ears with a loud voice, yet I will not hear them. And I shudder to say, that is probably the future 
of the lukewarm pseudo-Christian church in America particularly, which go to the Ishtar services and ex- celebrate Xmas and, and, you know, go to the Easter sunrise services and have all the other abominations going on in the church that they do. I, you know, I don't know. That's up to God. That's between God and them. But the Bible says judgment must begin at the house of the Lord. So going back to this G word, the English letter G in Masonic symbolism is inseparable from and identical with the Hebrew letter Yod. This Yod is a symbol of the Scottish right ring. I believe the ring you wear on your finger. Yod represents deity in general, its cosmic meaning. And the worshipped phallus in particular, its earthly meaning. Oh, isn't that great? Albert Pike, remember the start of the Ku Klux Klan, the guy who wrote Morals and Dogma, the highest ranking Freemason of the 1800s? Confederate War General? Um, okay, that same Albert Pike wrote that the G displayed in English-speaking lodges, Masonic lodges, is merely a corruption of the Hebrew letter Yod, in which it should be replaced. And that the mysterious Yod of the Kabbalah, which is the highest level of Jewish witchcraft, okay, and the Illuminati are heavily involved in that, and Albert Pike was and all these people that are into this high-level New Age occultic stuff are into, um... The mysteries of the Yod of the Kabbalah is the image of the Kabbalistic phallus. Not exactly an endorsement for this G. The Kabbalah he refers to here is the medieval book of the occult, a highly mystical and magical interpretation, uh, warped and perverted of the Bible, an important source book for sorcerers and magicians. And I give you the three references. That was from a, a different source that I just read you there, but I give you the source there. It is also, also worth, worth mentioning that the Come Together album that Third Day put out is an anthem for the ecumenical one world, come together, love everybody, new world order utopia. Did you know that? The same basic New Age love mantra put out in the 60s and 70s by the Beatles and John Lennon, who said the most blasphemous things that you could possibly imagine about Jesus Christ, not even appropriate for me to repeat here in the study. John Lennon. Some of the words to Third Day's Come Together album say, and I'm going to give you the lyrics right here, You can call me crazy for the things that I might say. You can laugh all you want. I know there will come a day. So Third Day knows there's going to come a day when we will all come together and learn to set aside our hate. And we can learn to love our neighbor just like we love ourselves. See, they mix in some thing that you can say, oh, I remember hearing that in the Bible. They mix it in with a leaven doctrine, which is what leaven is. A little leaven, which is bad doctrine, Jesus said, leavens the whole lump. That's what Satan loves to do. Misquote and add leaven to Scripture. We've got to come together, because in the end, we can make it all right. Oh, really? That's not really what the Bible says. And we're going to look at what the Bible says. We've got to learn to love. We've got to learn to love. You can call me a dreamer, but these dreams will come true. Oh, yeah? Show me that in the Bible. We are brothers and we're sisters. We are one. Oh, so we're just one big, happy, worldly, global family is what good old third day is saying. 
Bunch of lying devil deceivers. Well, let me tell you what the Word of God says. The Word of God says, contrary to what you would say third day, in 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 17, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord, meaning agreement, hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth, meaning mean he that believeth on Jesus Christ, with an infidel? What's an infidel? A non-believer in Jesus Christ, in this particular context. And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God, if the Holy Spirit dwells within you as a born-again Christian. Okay. As God hath said, and I will dwell in them, and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Third day is telling us the exact opposite. They're saying, oh, we need to all come together. No, don't be separate. Come together. And they know, third day knows there's going to come a day when this big utopia happens, even though it's totally contradictory to what the Bible says. Yeah, I'm sure when, when the martyrs are, are going there and the ones that refuse to take the mark of the beast, they're not exactly coming together with the world and being like the world and taking the mark of the beast. They're not getting on the same page of the world. They're getting their heads chopped off for the cause of Christ. What, what, what new age garbage. I think of all the things I've read, that infuriates me the most as far as a righteous indignant that they would dare put out these garbage lyrics like this. And we haven't even got into the lyrics hardly. What did Jesus Christ say about this subject? Would he endorse Third Day's song? Jesus Christ said in Matthew 10, 34-36, Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. What does a sword do? It divides, like the sword of the Spirit. Piercing and dividing asunder the joint and marrow. And is, a, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. I mean, the sword of the Spirit divides people. The truth tends to divide people. Jesus Christ said, For I am come to set a man at variance against his father, and the daughter against the mother, and the daughter-in-law against the mother-in-law. And a man's foes shall be they of his own household. That's, I mean, that's what happens many times when you get saved. Your own foes become those of your own household. Why? Because they're unbelievers. They're on a totally different page than you. And you're supposed to come out from among, among them and be separate in as much as possible. You're not supposed to be yoked up with them in, you know, in their worldly ways. You know, lest they corrupt you, type of thing. So Jesus, the Bible, is clearly contradictory to what third day is preaching. And here's, here's some more... Confirm, confirmation of that. This whole garbage thing that we just read from Third Day sounds a lot like John Lennon's Imagine. The one song he says Imagine, which is the official anthem of the New Age movement. Where it says, imagine all the people living life in peace. Uh, you may say I'm a dreamer, this is John Lennon. Which is what Third Day just said in the lyrics above. It said, he said, you can call me a dreamer, but these dreams will come true. No, no, they're not, you lying devils. I mean, you know, there's the, the world is not going to come together as one and be one big happy family. Okay? It's never going to happen. I mean, not, not in this 
day and age that we're living in. Okay, so. And then they say, we are brothers and sisters, we are one. That's what Third Day says. Well, John Lennon says, you may say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. I hope someday you will join us and the world will be as one. The only time they're going to be together is in hell and in the the lake of fire. But it's not going to be something that is a good thing. It's going to be horrific. By the way, Third Day's Come Together album was the 2002 Dove Awards Rock Album of the Year. Christian Rock. Isn't that special? And the third day was the Double Awards, um, with the Double Awards 2002 Group of the Year as well. Well, see, Satan rewards his own. You do his bidding, you do his work, and he'll reward you. That which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. That's what the Bible says. Third day has received at least 17 Dove Awards, you know. So anyway, that's the teaching for today. We just got through 30 pages, so... Um, and we did so in a little over three hours, so, uh, I'm trying to, to get in, because I've already got, I've got another, I've still got over a hundred pages of stuff to go over, not on just this subject, but on other subjects I've got lined up for the future. So anyway, uh, that's the study for today. I'll go ahead and close this out in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day and this time you've given us. I I thank you for letting us come together again, Lord God, to look at your word, to look at the um, devices of Satan, Lord, that that we be not ignorant of them, that we we reprove, as you said in your word, that we were supposed to reprove the unfruitful works of darkness and have no fellowship with them, that we're supposed to make them manifest and shed light on them, Lord. And I pray to God that that these wicked... uh, people that portray themselves as ministers of righteousness, I pray to God in the name of Jesus Christ that they be exposed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. By the power of the Holy Spirit, your angelic host, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, that you would intervene in, um, that they would not be able to delude and deceive the masses according to your will, Lord. I also realize this is part of your strong delusion. And I pray, God, not my will, but thine be done. But... I, I just pray that you would open the eyes, if it be possible, of these people that are caught in these these um, deceptions. Their eyes would be open, Lord God. You give them eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to receive. That you forgive us for any and all sins we've committed in any way, shape, or form. As we forgive those who have sinned against us, Lord God. That you save our unsaved family members. That the fear of God be upon um, our, the people around us that, that are saved and both saved and unsaved, Lord God. That the, that fear would drive us all to repentance that your name would be glorified through us, that many would be saved as a result of what you would do through the body of Christ, that you bless the widows and the orphans and the babies and the unborn babies, Lord God, and and the people, the the remnant, Lord God, that do not have um, uh, food and, and, and proper water and, and clothing and shelter. I pray, God, that you supply all their needs according to your riches in Christ Jesus. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray humbly. Amen.